April 4th. As we turn now to our reading of the New Testament, today we'll be reading in Luke chapter 10 and chapter 11. Now, in chapter 10, this chapter asks four questions by way of personal inventory. What makes you serve? Jesus was not limited to the twelve. Seventy others obeyed him and helped to reap the harvest. But you know what? The laborers are still few, aren't they? And in Luke chapter 9, verse, uh, verses 57 through 62, we learn why. The ministry is difficult and dangerous, but it's also very rewarding. Are you obedient to his call? And then what makes you rejoice? When the disciples rejoiced over their successful ministry, Jesus told them to rejoice because they were citizens of heaven. That meant eternal life. After all, their work might not always be successful, but their salvation would never change. Jesus rejoiced because the Father's will was being accomplished in their lives. So what brings joy to your heart? And we'll also ask the question, what makes you pause? It is not difficult to discuss neighborliness in the abstract, but you know what? It costs something to be a real neighbor. Do you pause to help when you see injustice and hurt? Or like the priest and the Levite, do you look for an escape? You are never more Christ-like than when you feel another's hurt and seek to help. And then uh, the next question, the fourth one, what makes you listen? Here's the basis for all ministry. Taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear His Word. It's important to serve the Lord and serve others. But it's even more important to delight your Lord by spending time with Him. Are you so busy serving Him that you have no time to love Him and listen to Him? Charles Wesley wrote, Faithful to my Lord's commands, I still would choose the better part. Serve with careful Martha's hands and loving Mary's heart. And then we'll look into chapter 11 in the book of Luke, and we'll learn about his generosity. If Jesus, John the Baptist, and the Twelve all needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? We must put God's concerns first, because prayer is based on sonship, not friendship. You're part of the family. God is a loving Father, not a grouchy neighbor. Uh, He gives us what we need. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. And he doesn't become irritated when we ask for help. All right, uh, with that, let's turn our attention and uh, begin today's reading from the New Testament. April 4th, Luke chapter 10, verse 38, through chapter 11, verse 13. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are so upset over all these details. There is really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. Once, when Jesus had been out praying, one of his disciples came to him as he finished and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said, This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be honored. 
May your kingdom come soon. Give us our food day by day. And forgive us our sins, just as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this illustration. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You would say to him, A friend of mine just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. He would call out from his bedroom, Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and we are all in bed. I can't help you this time. But I tell you this, though he won't do it as a friend, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you what you want, so his reputation won't be damaged. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and the door is opened to everyone who knocks. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Today we'll be reading in Psalm chapter 76, verses 1 through 12. In verses 1 through 6, we learn that God is to be praised. We don't know what military victory is celebrated here, but it brought great glory to the Lord. The enemy's fortresses, soldiers, and equipment were unable to stand before the Lord of hosts. It is encouraging to know that God is for us in the battles of life. And in verses 7 through 12, we learn that God is to be feared. Man's fury does not frighten God in the slightest. As a matter of fact, he uses it to bring himself glory, like a woman wearing a special garment. God is long-suffering, but one day he will arise to judge the wicked. You can count on it. His people must also fear him and be faithful to keep their vows to him. Never trifle with God. Not around here, but anyway, so... We go to Spider-Man 48, and, um, and I'm pumped. I'm always pumped to go to movies. It's like, this is awesome, right? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't yes, shoot little sticky webs out of your wrist, Peter Parker, and fly, right? <laughs> so we sit out, and we're like 15 minutes in. My cousin, who will remain unnamed, Jesse McKinney, kidding. He's sitting next to me. Now he's kind of, Pastor Steven, he's kind of in the industry. Okay? He recently did a lifetime movie and he played Luke Perry in the 90210, like the making of 90210. Okay? Yeah, he cussed too. So I was like, you're out of the family. Um, <laughs> I was like, I can't stand by. So, so he, I think he's like, I'm in the industry, you know, like I am Luke Perry. So he's like, he's kind of like an artist and he married a Brazilian model and that didn't help. So <laughs> he's sitting next to me and we're like, we're like 15 minutes into like Peter Parker's journey, you know, like gets bit by a spider and suddenly like accidentally his wrists go like this and he's like, ah, you know, and he's like flying through Manhattan and, and, and true story, Jesse's sitting next to me and he goes, ha, yeah, right. He, this literally happened. I go, what bro? He's like impossible. Oh my God. 
I literally say this. I go, look. It's that loud, by the way. He's, again, you commentators, you don't care about the movie theater. You feel like everyone wants to hear your artistic critique. We don't. Yeah, right. Impossible. I go, are you, I call him Rooster. I'm like, Rooster, are you serious right now? He goes, I said, I want you to get out the movie ticket right now. Get it out. Get out of here. You still have it? Yeah, pull it out. What does it say on there? It says Spider-Man. A little, a little computer tech named Peter Parker with glasses is going to get bit by a spider. And because he gets bit by a spider, he's going to shoot little sticky webs out of his wrist and they're going to stick to big tall buildings and he's going to swing around and he's going to kiss girls upside down. And I want you to ask yourself if this is supposed to be realistic. We went to Spider-Man. He like, he's like, later he's like, it's horrible CGI. I'm like, oh my word. I don't even know what that means. I just for a second, I want to believe that I'm Peter Parker. Right? Like, I counted six times he used the word impossible at Spider-Man. I will never go to another movie with Luke Perry. I mean, my cousin Jesse. Impossible. Now, you're thinking to yourself, What does this story have to do with the Bible? When does this preacher preach the word? I have no idea what that story has any connection to God's word. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a beautiful metaphor. Listen closely. (laughs) Upon reading 1 John chapter 4, this literally happened to me. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. Now, this might not have hit you the same way, but this is how it hit me. When John says, beloved, let us love one another, the first word that came to mind is my cousin's favorite word in Spider-Man 42, impossible. What is this, a fictional idea? What is this, a fantasy? Now, that might not hit you the same way because it seems pretty harmless, doesn't it? Beloved, let us love one another. What's so Peter Parker about that? What's so unbelievable about that? What's so impossible about that? What's so fictional about that, Judah? Well, I'm glad you asked because the truth is, when he says, let us love one another. Now, now, upon first glance, you think to yourself, love, love one another. I'm totally down for that. I love love. Like we live in a culture, we're in love with love. Are we not? Love is just, I love love. I love the feeling of love, the concept of love, the ideas of love, the, 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 the expressions of love. Like I, I, I love love. And so you're thinking to yourself, I'm, I, that doesn't sound impossible. It doesn't sound like a fictional superhero comic book. I, I can love people. In fact, I love my family and I love my friends. In fact, I'm sitting with them. They're in the row right Right now, I love them. They love me. We have an affinity for each other. We share some commonality. We enjoy the similar hobbies. Like I, 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 lo- I let us love one another. What's so difficult and challenging and impossible about that? I, I love a lot of people, and generally, I love love. Am I the only one that like watches commercials with like abandoned animals and gets moved emotionally and for a moment considers that I am actually a very good person because I feel empathy for these animals? Are you ever impressed by? your own nobility? Do you ever watch commercials and cry and go, I'm so sensitive to people. I love that about me. You know what I mean? Like most people aren't even moved by the plight of humanity, but me, no, I am moved in the middle of a football game. A commercial touches my soul. I'm so sensitive. Thank you, God, for making me so compassionate. This is amazing, right? You watch some commercial about an entire continent or country that needs aid and you're moved and you give money and 
Like, it's just, I was like, love one another. I'm really good at that. Until you investigate a little bit further and you realize that what John is saying is actually not that basic culturally familiar and predominant thought about love. He's not saying love those who are like you. He's not saying love those who love you. He's not saying love those that you get along with. He's not saying, he, he's saying, he's saying, I want you to love, I want you to love people, agape. It's rooted in that word agape, which of course is not brotherly love or romantic love. It's God love that's unconditional, needs no reciprocation. He's like, I want you to unconditionally put yourself out there, extend yourself and serve people and alter your schedule and your budget and your convenience to love people, care for them, check in on them and take care of them. Even, even if they don't like you that much, let us love one another. Let's begin our reading in Psalm chapter 76. Psalm chapter 76, verses 1 through 12. For the choir director, a psalm of Asaph, to be accompanied by stringed instruments, a song. God is well known in Judah. His name is great in Israel. Jerusalem is where he lives. Mount Zion is his home. There he breaks the arrows of the enemy the shields and swords and weapons of his foes. You are glorious and more majestic than the everlasting mountains. The mightiest of our enemies have been plundered. They lie before us in the sleep of death. No warrior could lift a hand against us. When you rebuked them, O God of Jacob, their horses and chariots stood still. No wonder you are greatly feared. Who can stand before you when your anger explodes? From heaven you sentenced your enemies. The earth trembled and stood silent before you. You stand up to judge those who do evil, O God, and to rescue the oppressed of the earth. Human opposition only enhances your glory, for you use it as a sword of judgment. Make vows to the Lord your God and fulfill them. Let everyone bring tribute to the Awesome One, for He breaks the spirit of princes and is feared by the kings of the earth. Proverbs chapter 12, verses 15 through 17. Fools think they need no advice, but the wise listen to others. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. An honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies.